We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man going to dominate. Boys. Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek Ciapala with my co-host, my partner in crime for our Sunday evening. This is former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. We're here to look back on the Los Angeles Rams 27-9 victory over the New Orleans Saints, a rematch of the NFC Championship game. It was a fun night, but yet also frustrating, challenging to watch at times. Mike, first... Hey, congratulations on your first home win and what are your first thoughts? 
Hey, man, uh, first home win is great. Guys played great down the stretch. Uh, it'll be interesting. We had a, a number of plays called back that were either big plays or touchdowns. So officiating uh, across the board seems to need a little improvement. But, man, we're excited nevertheless uh, get a win and going into our bye week so uh, we can get ready to go for a good school, Sierra Canyon. So for those of you who are maybe tuning in for the first time or kind of forgot, Mike coaches also the Bakersfield Drillers. He's the head coach out there. And basically you're saying officials across the board were a little shaky this weekend, just everywhere. Oh, yeah, just everywhere. You know, <laughs> our game, everywhere. college games, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about some of the calls that went on today. But, man, nevertheless, man, excited that the uh, Rams got it in the win column. And, man, let's get after it and see, see, see how they're going to do. Well, the Rams do pay a price today. They lose Tyler Higbee. We have no idea yet how serious that is. Haven't received the uh, the transcripts in the press conference. We know that uh, Austin Blythe got himself hurt today. We're going to wait and see how that happens. It looks pretty bad in my view. Aaron Donald, we had a scare there. He came back in the game. Apparently it was cramps. Not really sure yet. Looking for an official award, but I'll look around to see what I can find on that one. But overall, the Rams come out. Winners, 27-9. It was a, well, it wasn't this close most of the game. They pulled away late. Let's go ahead, and before we even get into the, the itty-bitties of the game, the, the, the nooks and crannies, or the nuts and bolts, whatever you want to say it, we do want to let you know that our podcast is sponsored by Jim Hawkins' book, Hollywood's Team. Also want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Apple Music. Matter of fact, we still have that long-going contest on Apple Music. It's a five-star review on Apple Music. gets you a in entered into the contest for a $75 gift to NFLShot.com. This is how it works. Head over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review, and send us an email at ramstop 1945 with a copy of your entry so we knew we know who to enter into the contest and we'll also read your feedback on the show. Don't forget, our other shows in the network include Rams Uncensored, Butting Heads, Rampage Radio. That's right. Rampage Radio is back. And now, on Tuesdays, yes, the Rams Brothers are joining us. We now have a network of Rams podcasts that will bring you a show every day of the week except for Saturdays. And don't tempt us on Saturdays. Don't tempt us. Want to do a podcast on Saturday, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> maybe Let's get it. Maybe we need a break. All right. Yeah. So there you go. We have a network here. Our goal is to be the best at what we do, and that means bringing you as much high-quality content as we can without damaging that quality. And we think that having something every day with different personalities, different uh, different perspectives is a good thing. And given how much people are driving out there in California to get somewhere, how much you're weighing in traffic, you might as well listen to this podcast while you're at it. Oh, and before we move on, don't forget our sponsor over at MyBookie. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck-on messes, and they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Okay. Team stats. Rams get 21st downs in the game. The Saints, 15. 
Third down efficiency, 5 of 13 for the Rams, 4 of 13 for the Saints. Total yards, 380 for the Rams, 244 for the Saints. Average game per play, 6.2 for the Rams, 4.3 for the Saints. 115 yards rushing for the Rams, 57 for the Saints. Yards passing net, Rams 265, Saints 187. Eight punts for the Rams for, sorry, I'm reading that wrong. That was eight penalties. Four punts for the Rams for 49.8 yards. Five punts for the Saints for 48.8 yards. Penalties, 11 penalties for 87 yards for the Saints. Eight penalties for 65 yards for the Rams. If you were listening to a Saints fan on on social media, you would have thought the Rams didn't have any penalties. Uh, One fumble lost by the Rams, and they had a slight edge in time and possession. The players, this is where we make it known that Drew Brees got hurt. A a tackle or attempted tackle by Aaron Donald nicked his hand as he was batting the ball, and Drew Brees left the game, had thrown an interception prior to that. He was 3-for-5 for 60 yards. Tay Bridgewater comes in, goes 17-30 for 165, takes two sacks. Back-to-back, those are monster sacks, by the way. Jared Goff started off rough. But goes 19-28 for 283 yards a touchdown. Does take three sacks and loses a fumble. Rushing for the Saints, Calvin, uh, Alvin Kamara goes 13 rushes for 45 yards of 3.5 carry. Latavius Murray goes 5 for 7. Ted Bridgewater 2 for 5. Dominant performance tonight by the Rams run defense. The Rams in the running attack, they do split again. Todd Gurley goes 16 carries for 63 yards along with 20 and touchdown. Malcolm Brown, 6 for 37. For 6.2 yards to carry, 13 long. And then Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Gerald Everett, they all get carries. And Jared Goff has four carries for minus two yards. In the receiving game, Michael Thomas leads the Saints, 10 catches for 89 yards. Traquan Smith, three catches for 49 yards. And then the Rams, here's the big one. This was kind of fun. Cooper Cup, five catches for 120 yards. Brandon Cooks, three for 74, a touchdown. Robert Woods, 2 for 33. Tyler Higby, 2 for 21. A huge 18-yarder in that game. Uh, Gerald Everett, 3 for 21. Malcolm Brown, 1 for 10. And Todd Gurley, 3 for 4. But that's including the one that lost 7 yards. Leading tackler for the game. For the Rams, that is going to be Eric Weddle. 7 tackles, 5. Solo, 2 assists, followed by Nikhil Roby-Coman. Dante Fowler. I'm, I'm sorry, I missed this. Corey Littleton had with eight. My bad. Didn't sort right. So eight for Corey Littleton. On the Saints, Eli Apple had seven. And the next leaders had five. So there we are. Overall, Mike, what do these stats tell you about this game? Well, it tells you simply that, uh, you know, it was somewhat of an up-and-down game, but it looks like both teams are still trying to get the ring rust off. Uh, obviously, with Drew B. Breeze uh, going out the game early, it was tough to see what that could have been. It looked like the offense was running a lot smoother before he went out. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it just looks like it kind of was a slugfest, and, and uh, you know, things are still getting worked into uh, – true speed game nfl speed so i think overall you know the stats will continue to prove for both teams uh but right now it just looks like uh, everybody's still trying to get in sync 
the stats to me don't show how close this game was. It was it was close for much of it. The Rams pull away late. I think the Rams are smart. They wore their whites for this game, and a lot of folks are upset they wore their whites, but it's hot out there. Saints are out there wearing their blacks, man. Ooh, they wore their blacks. That couldn't have been fun, and they seem to tire out late. The, the game was sloppy. We saw that. I thought that overall, I think your previous point, and you and I both kind of wondered about it, one thing that really came to my attention, Mike, was as this game wore on, watching the offensive line, especially in the first half, sometimes in the second half, watching just some of the, how do I say this? Rust? <laughs> rust? Goff, when he had time even in the first half and into the second half, rust? He was off. He was. He had open men, especially those first two drives. He had open guys and was just missing them badly. And going back again, the preseason, not having those reps in-game. And I think we're seeing some of those early issues that we were worried about. Now, the Rams are 2-0. They'll take 2-0. But it's a little concerning. It's a little concerning. You have the Browns next week on the road, and that game, who knows what's going to happen out there. It's a night game. It's on TV. Then you come home and... You got Tampa Bay coming up, and Tampa Bay clearly is a little better than we thought they were going to be. So I don't want to sound pessimistic here because they're 2-0. But it bears watching, especially with two injuries for this game, and that being Tyler Hibby with his chest and Austin Blythe. That injury looks bad. It looks pretty bad. And, you know, we don't want to beat a dead horse, of course, but it's obvious that, that the timing's not quite there. You know, they're missing a little bit there, missing a little bit here. Uh, and in a game, again, if Drew Brees is in the game, does that end up costing us the game? Uh, because we're just not hitting quite on all cylinders yet. There were some absolutely great plays and some some great drives that there was a – but some of the play call, I'm just still a little befuddled. You know, it's like we didn't learn anything from that Seattle Seahawks situation. When I mean, you got a top-notch back and you're inside the five-yard line and you're trying to throw passes on the goal line that almost get intercepted, though we end up with a touchdown, that to me is concerning. It is concerning, and it's still the same stuff from him. He did the same things last year. He'll... He likes to get pretty in those areas. He likes to try. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to be deceptive. He's trying to surprise you. But honestly, right. you're not really surprising anybody. Mark, you're not everybody's expecting you to do it. Yeah. Do so, it. Exactly. I mean, it's just right. one of those one of those concerns. What kind of adjustments do you make at this point? Or do you just real you just trust your offensive line? You have to trust your O line. When you're first in, I guess it was what? Uh first in they were first, well, not first and goal quite, but they were on like the 11 because they could have got that first down inside the one or right at the one. In the first play, we run off six yards, just drive them off the ball. And then the very next play, I mean, we throw a pass and, and you know, it gets in there, but it's like, man, it almost got picked. And I'm thinking, okay, as an old formal lineman in high school, you are hungry. You know that, man, we're that close. We're going to drive our guy off and even if you get a stalemate somewhat with your guy the back knows how to find the hole and you know brown was in at the time i mean he's going to get you another couple yards and you can get a first down inside the one so 
my thing is like I, I get it like you say maybe you're trying to be deceptive but because now you kind of do that all the time mm-hmm. it's no longer a, a deception it's not a surprise not at all so I mean are you doing this because you just like doing it or are you doing it because it's what you want to do as an offense and if that is what you want to do as an offense I'm not sure and that's the wisest thing in the world but man I hate to turn around and and walk the fence Mike here but they know a little bit more about play call than I do <laughs> and from my point of view it's not wise maybe they're trying to set some up later maybe they're or maybe they're being too cute. But you know who has been out there and who calls plays? You do. I mean, what's your well, overall process for this? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you have all these pregame stats that you can go into. But when it gets down to that point of the game, you got to let your O-line and believe it in those guys that they're going to drive their guys off the ball. You know, I get the understanding. I get it in the sense of maybe, hey, we'll keep them spread out and out of open lanes. But all you need is a, a lineman to put their arm up and the ball gets deflected. And now it's an interception at least. And then it could be an interception for, you know, a 90-something yard return because, you know, everybody's all inside. And if a pick gets flipped up on the outside, a guy's just down the sideline. So sure. I, I just believe you got to go with your O line. Believe that the backs that you you have it on your team are going to be able to get those one and two and three tough yards when you're down and close. You, I I just don't like the idea you mess around. I would trust these these running backs full heartedly. You have a deep running back core. You only play a couple times. You have an offensive line that can open holes. For you, they they've done it two weeks in a row now, both games over 100 yards. And folks, I know that Rankin was out for the Saints. I get it; that's a big loss for them. But the Rams, especially as they wore things down in the second half, were able to run the football. It's what they've always done, though. Under McVay, they do wear people down. They may get stuffed quite a bit in the first half, and then the second half they come out there and they blow it up. It's what McFay's offense does. So I don't see why you just don't keep faith in that. Why don't, you know, just go get that touchdown. Just knock him off the ball. I, I think it's good It's good psychologically too, right, to go ahead and, and knock a good defensive line off the football in the end zone. To me, when I was coaching football, when I was coaching defense, that meant the world to me. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I'm telling you, if you ask any one of those guys that are on our line, the Rams line, uh, they're going to say, man, let's run the ball down their throat. Because for them, they got a man, they call it out, they set up the line uh, blocking, and they go. And then it becomes me against you, but adrenaline and knowing that you're that close to scoring, you're going to do that little bit extra to get the ball in there. And so... I just think you got to believe because when you get later in the year when it's cool, colder and it feels sloppy, you know, you can't be messing around with trying to throw passes and ball slipping out your hand and all that kind of nonsense. You just got to go in there man on man and, and let's go. We're going to get these three yards and put this ball in the end zone. If there's a complaint for the night in terms of the play call, there it is. The offensive line to me, while we're saying trust the offensive line, it did have its struggles. 
I'm more critical in pass coverage right now and pass blocking. Rob Abenstein had a rough night dealing with Jordan up there in the front. It was it was pretty brutal at times. He he made him somebody on our Twitter page said that uh, he made Cam Jordan made Rob Abenstein his son tonight. And I can't say he's wrong. Abenstein looked slow off the ball. He got manhandled in that big sack that he got on Goff. It was tough to watch. But that I want to flip that around, Mike, and I want to, I want to give some praise here because, you know, Goff struggled throughout this game. He, was, he wasn't accurate. He was missing guys who were open. He was missing guys who, who weren't open. He was just off. And you could say it was pressure, but you know what? Jared Goff stood down a lot of pressure in the second half and made some nice throws and made some nice plays. And that is some of the growth we've been hoping to see. I, he made, dare I say, he made some ballsy plays. That touchdown inside the five to Cooks, that quick throw in, he had to fit that in just right to get in there. And people have to criticize his accuracy. I thought it was a beautiful play. And he did at the line. That was his decision. Yeah, it was. But uh, there again, you're talking about a situation that, I mean, Brandon Cooks makes a strong-handed grab and, and gets it tucked in. But again, you're throwing that like barely between one guy and barely gets in the other guy. And so, yeah, great, great play ends up being a great play. Uh, But before I digress, one of the things that I think goes with also, you know, the Rams are playing at home and though you're playing at home it also offers a few more distractions, at least that's what happened with us last week in our first home game. Uh, You know, you're playing with family, you got people may want more visit you're just maybe not as focused or you're just a little too amped up and all those things can play into you know some of that sloppy play that we saw today i thought it was i thought it was sloppy across the board though i mean it it was both teams it was both teams but we'll say this and i don't mean this as any kind of offense towards saints fans at all i i do not mean the same kind of offense towards them but even before Breeze went down, only two players out there really scared me for the Saints offensively, and that's Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Nobody else on that offense scared me. If you're wondering why the Saints struggled late in the year last year, this is going to be the hot take number two that gets me in trouble with Saints fans, but they don't have the weapons. They don't have the weapons long-term. Jared Cook is up and down. He can be a great weapon the next day. You, well, we know what Jared Cook is. Jared Cook does Jared Cook things. Sometimes he's great, sometimes he's not. And to me, this game showed me how talented the Rams are and how not talented the Saints are. And people are going to argue, well, Drew Brees got taken out. Yeah, okay. But even before Drew Brees got taken out, it wasn't all that impressive to me. It wasn't like they were lighting the scoreboard. The Rams were... We're doing just fine defensively. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, when you look at, I mean, I was looking at some plays that uh, Aaron Donald was making, and I told you guys, Clay Matthews playing, coming home, playing in front of his fans, he's going to be amped up. But And then Brockers as well. I mean, he was just taking guys, going back with one hand. But Aaron Donald, that dude is special. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He gets through gaps, and he hurries. And, you know, matter of fact, that was a play that, uh, Breeze hurt his hand. He just came through there like a 
missile and, and was right back there. And, you know, Breeze tried to get it out of there real quick. So I think, yeah. And unfortunately, you get a guy like Breeze who goes out and you go, oh, it's just Teddy Bridgewater. And not that there's a letdown, but sometimes there's a tendency to say, oh, that guy's in there. He's not. And, and you kind of do some things that maybe you shouldn't. And then it makes things less effective. But overall, no, I, I think the defense was getting after him all day long. The defense is great. And the defense, to me, even was exceptional when Aaron Donald was off the field. Now, I don't think that can last. I think you need him in that front seven to really make things go. But they were able to hold their own while he was out. And, man, what a scare, by the way. <laughs> How did you feel about that, Mike? <laughs> That's That moment when you're seeing him running down that tunnel, how'd you feel? Yeah, you just go, wow, man. Here's the guy who was out last year, the early part of uh, preseason, all that stuff with the contract. And then this year, he, you know he's dialed in, and you know he's ready to go. And that's just an unforeseen and unfortunate thing of the game, injuries, you know, and obviously, you know, uh, shout out to Drew Burley. It's not as bad as it looks, but it had to be awful, awfully bad for him not to even try to pick up a ball anymore or come back in. So, man, you just hope it's not something that's going to, you know, be the end of the season. But at the same time, yeah, when and Aaron was able to least come back out, there was like, because, man, that would be a big blow. Losing him to me, like, if you lose Drew Brees, that's huge for them. For the Rams, that's your equivalent right there. That's that's the guy that you look to on that defense to make everything happen. He's the one that most opposing offenses have to watch out for on a, on a play-by-play basis. And losing him this season would be, for any reason, would be absolutely horrible. And this reminds me during the preseason, I, I mentioned the possible, well, how things would ever be if, Aaron would ever get hurt, and then I was like, and the guys were like, "Don't say that, don't say, it. don't." Not. I'm like, "Knock on wood, I know, I get it. It is devastating, and and you feel for a team like the Saints who are led by a quarterback like Drew Brees who takes control of everything on the field, and you have to wonder now about their season where it goes now because they didn't look all that great last week against a team they should have beaten up on. They should have beaten up on the Texans. They were already, and they were having some struggles against the Rams defense against the Rams. Period. It was it was a close game. And, again, I'm going back. The Rams have more weapons. They are more explosive at this point in time. Now your quarterback, your Hall of Fame quarterback goes down. I have to wonder how that changes the NFC South going forward. Well, absolutely. I mean, anytime you lose one of your top dogs, it's going to affect everything throughout offensively and defensively, special team as well, because everyone now has to pick it up. The advantage I think they will have is, you know, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater isn't a rookie. He's been outstanding at times before his injury, but I think because he's been in the system now uh, a couple years, I think they'll be able to maybe weather it long enough until Breeze is back. Uh, I think just today it was just, you know, your first game in – you know, really in a, in a couple of years to, to get into, you know, a, whole pro, a high profile game. And I think he'll he'll be fine now that it's basically under his belt and he's got that out the way. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Saints can bounce back. But again, this is the thing that happens year to year. And that's why when you look at a New England Patriot team, you got to give them credit whether you like them or not, because no matter what happens, 
they're going to consistently be in the hunt at the end of it all. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, how the Saints uh, team actually bounces back. When things hinge on a 40-year-old quarterback anyways, that's usually not a good sign. Right. But, you know, there was a time when Teddy Bridgewater was considered to be the franchise guy in Minnesota. Right. That injury that injury wrecked his career. We get it. But the talent doesn't just disappear. Now, right. he's been in the league for a while. Can he pick it up and, and take up that mantle? There's a reason why he stayed instead of going to Miami. I would think that... This is his chance to find out. This is his chance to exactly find out where he is. And if it's just a couple games to see what he can do against first team, first team, because he played a lot in the preseason. So now it's first teamers. Maybe, maybe it could be a blessing in disguise for the Saints. Maybe if things work out their way, they still have a great defense. Yeah, I mean, and you know, at some point in time, I mean, we see it happen. No matter how great the quarterback is, the changing of the guard is eventually going to happen. You know, we've seen it with all the greats, whether it's Montana, Moreno, Elway. I mean, Elway walked away, you know, with the Super Bowl win. But you can go on down the list, Jim Kelly and so on and so forth. So, yeah, if I'm Teddy Bridgewater, like I I was saying, hopefully, you know, he's got this out the way. Okay, I've been in the game now. The bullets have been live. Okay, we're good. Now let's go back to work. And I'm sure, you know, they'll do some things differently uh, that – accentuate his strengths a little bit more and now they'll have at least a week uh to do all those type of things to adjust the game plan to to the guy who's going to be behind center and it's going to be really interesting now on the other side for the rams what happens now what happens when they got to deal with these injuries i'm waiting just waiting for the transcript to pop into my box to see what they got to say I'll do a quick check, actually, to see if anything's out there on Tyler Higby. We know he went out with a chest injury. You need to know more about him. Right now, it's not looking like there's any real update. Nope, no real updates yet. Looking for updates also on Bly. We didn't hear really anything about him after the injury, which surprised me because they carted him off, by the way. They carted him off. So, right. I'm curious about that. Looking ahead, while I'm still trying to find that, looking ahead... Do you – well, can you tell me what you saw that the Rams did differently to get Jared Goff in rhythm to get that offense moving in the second half? Well, it looked like what they did, uh, we call it a half roll. And so sometimes they kind of half rolling out of the uh, – out of the just the center of the, the position of the O-line, just rolling him out a little bit, let him set his feet outside and get a clear throwing lane was able to do that i also think he was most effective when Gurley got going a little bit on the running game and then that starts setting up some things and he was able to get in a little bit of rhythm then so again i think a lot of this is just because you haven't had the speed that a real game uh gives you when you are, you know, in the NFL. So now two weeks in, you know, guys are now starting to get into what we call the game shape and playing shape of of a four-quarter game at a high level. So I would expect those things to continue to improve week in and week out from here on out. Well, I, I would like to see what the Rams do to continue to adjust. We didn't even see, like, Later on, one, two days later, after the Carolina game, when we were able to kind of break down film, some of the unique, cool things that Sean McVay did 
in his play calling last week. And there was a nice play today, the Robert Woods jet sweep, that looked real real special as well. They keep changing things up, but you know, 349 yards last week, I believe it was 349, 380 this week. The offense still isn't quite there. Two solid defenses, though, two defenses that are going to give teams problems. When do the Rams, when does the Rams offense, in your view, really become the Rams offense that we were used to for most of the year last year in terms of its productivity, its points scored, and so on and so forth? Well, I, I, I don't know that we see it as last year because if anybody was doing their homework, they're going to make sure we're not getting all the deep routes and the deep throws that we were able to get last year in those big plays. They're going to, you know, probably make us win with Gurley or a running game or you guys are going to have to go underneath. We're just not going to give up the big plays that we were able to get numerous times last season. So that's just game prep, and that's that cat and mouse that uh, Coach McVay and the offensive staff is going to have to play out the rest of this year again you know as we talked about earlier in the summer you know now they have tape on on McVay now they have tape on uh our wonderful quarterback golf and you know they even have tape on some of those plays where you know we would have some misdirection and put Gurley on the backside and backside screens and different things like that that we were able to do successfully last year teams are going to be a little more prepared for that this year so we probably should expect games like this that you know hopefully we can grind it out and then pull away or we just capitalize early on some things and make it not so tough down the stretch but all that said going back and rewinding a little bit you have to think that given the challenges they've had early two tough games and I know that the Panthers lost on Thursday night they didn't look great but their defense is fine their defense is fine their defense played excellent for much of that game against the Rams the Rams still found a way through it. They still got creative. They still made some plays. This week, they struggled a bit against the team that probably should win the NFC South. And now, next, they head over to Cleveland. That brings a whole bunch of different concerns. Cleveland's defensive line is dangerous. Miles Garrett there. There are some... Don't... don't for We can't ignore the loss. We won the 43-13 loss, but... Cleveland's too talented to be what they were before. They're going to be better. They are. They're going to be the Jets tomorrow. I'm sure of it. And watch. Watch now. I'll be proven wrong. But the talent's there for them. So who knows what happens next Sunday night? Okay. So whew, whew, what a night. And you know why I'm, yeah. I'm like I'm, I'm, I'm breathing in here. You know why I'm breathing here. I'm breathing because social media day for Rams Talk Radio was. Shall I say? Mike chaotic. It was chaotic. <laughs> so we're gonna get to that, folks. Before we do, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, that is Jim Hawk. Jim Hawk, he wrote this great book about the 1950s Rams called Hollywood Team Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father on the team. He played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Search, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hallwasteam.com and on Twitter at hallwasteam. It's also available in hardback, electronic form, and soon... Paperback at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and other booksellers across the internet. Folks, it's worth it. It's a great read. We've been 
We've been advertising this for a couple years now. We've had him on the show. We need to have him back again. He's, he's passionate about the Rams, very passionate, and he's giving all of his proceeds to this book. They go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization that provides an avenue, really, for gang members to get out of that society into our society, back into American society as productive members of it. And so there you go. It's Hollywood scene, grit, glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Also, one more thing before we move on, we do want to give a shout-out to our partners over at Big Heads Podcast Network. In here, check out this promo. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm one of the hosts of Massive Late Fee. Do you remember Blockbuster? Well, we do, and we racked up a lot of late fees there. That's why we're glad there's things like Netflix, Hulu, and Blockbuster has died, mostly because of us. We cover streaming shows and pretty much whatever we want. Join us every Thursday as we talk TV and movies on Massive Late Fee. You can find us at Massive Late Fee on Twitter, Massive Late Fee on Facebook. You can email the show at Massive Late Fee at G. Email.com, and you can find us at MySpace, Massive Late Fee. Massive Late Fee, the best podcast we can think of. All right, so this is kind of crazy. Drew Brees goes down, Mike, right? And nobody wants to see that happen. Nobody wants to no. see one of the greatest players in the game go down. Not too long not afterwards. Yeah, not too long afterwards, Aaron Dahl gets hurt. We see there's actually a lot of pretty big injuries in this game. A lot of question marks for both teams now. But then there's a call. Jared Goff gets this team moving downfield in the second quarter, and there is what's called an incomplete pass. Reality was, get a closer look, it's a fumble, his arm was going forward, the ball comes out, it's returned for a touchdown, but wait, whistle blows. The whistle's blown. Now, I don't know if it's bad luck or if it's the tortures of being a Rams fan, but you and I, I mean, we've seen this over and over again. Calls that happen, they get called back because of a dead ball call. I mean, we've seen it, right? I've seen it. Absolutely. I've seen Absolutely. it a lot. <laughs> Especially watching Rams games. And it always seems to happen when they're playing the Seahawks, by the way. I just want to, I just want to point that out. It happens in suddenly the biggest games the Rams have been in, that play has happened. And it irked me tonight. And I'm watching the national broadcast. I, I was, remember, folks, I don't live in L.A. Um, it's, I know it's weird. It's my company here. And yet I don't live in the area because I have a job elsewhere. But most of our staff is out there. They're, most of our staff, by the way, is either at the game or watching the game out there. They're listening to probably the Rams broadcast with J.B. Long. Well, I have the national broadcast on with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Now, Troy Aikman's great. Outstanding, but Joe Buck over the years tends to get a little preachy when he is or there's something that he doesn't like, or when he when he wants to purvey a point. And it's hard for me to really get on board with Joe Buck because of just the extreme amount of bias he showed as the Rams left St. Louis. And now he's from St. Louis. I get it. He's going to have bias, but you're a professional. I expect you on the professional stage to be professional. So I don't know. Did you watch the national broadcast? Absolutely. Okay, so you heard this then. So Joe Buck starts going off about how the Saints have been screwed again. Right. Another and three weeks in a row, and you know, three games in a row. The NFC title game, this game against the Rams, it lasts against the Texans. How they've been screwed, and and I made this comment on Twitter as I'm manning social media tonight, and it was not meant 
in any way to be offensive towards the saints, by the way. It was not. But what I was saying, I was, I was really going at Joe Buck because you are a national announcer. You are the play-by-play guy. You're not there to be this massive advocate for the Saints or for any of that stuff. To me, that's not what you're there for. You are, And what's really big to me is that play is a play we've seen happen over and over again. It might not be the exact same situation, but we've seen plays where a fumble's picked up or another interception's happened and the play's called dead and something that should have been a touchdown was called back. We've seen it happen. It ha- it's guaranteed to happen two or three times to the Rams per year. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So that's what I wrote about. I wrote on Twitter, as the Rams talk social media guy tonight, the whining from Joe Buck needs to stop. Yes, it's unfortunate for the Saints, but a play like that happens multiple times per week. It's not rare. It's going to happen to the LA Rams at least two or three times this year, this year alone. And then I have the whole hashtag there for the game. Mike, I got hammered hard <laughs> on social media. It was mostly from Saints fans. Mostly from well, Saints fans. What's interesting, Derek, is, you know, having played the game, yeah, you never want a call to go against you. And now being, you know, a high school head coach, you know, one of the things I talk, you know, they talk, the refs talk to you before the game. Hey, any question, this and that, who your players, who you cap? Okay. And I always tell them, like, hey, I'm here to make your job easier. I said, because me yelling on the sideline, as long as I've played the game and as long as I've been watching and now coaching, I've never seen a call get reversed from someone yelling on the sideline. The dilemma I think that's happening with the NFL game now is with the instant replay, to be honest. If you play that in real time, you're going to go, yeah, man, incomplete. But with all these different camera views, the super slow motion, it's really unrealistic because the natural eye would never see the stuff that we see in slow motion. And that's why calls get made like that, because the natural eye is going to pick up what the natural eye can pick up, not something that a super slow, high powered camera can show you in super slow, super, super slow motion from 15 different angles. So, you know, that was the thing with the the play with uh, Roby Coleman last year is, yeah, once you get it from an angle that you can clearly see it, but the guy making the call last year, he sees it in real time. It looks like simultaneous uh, contact you know the ball and him arriving at the same time Mm -hmm. and so the problem came when all the slow motion and the different views go oh no he actually got there before the ball did it's a penalty so the thing with joe buck i get him saying like hey uh hey man it's a bad call this and that but again it's only after super slow motion what the saints can't do is get snake bitten and think that, oh, man, everybody, the refs, the league, nobody wants us to win. But if you go back and look at that game, when Teddy Bridgewater came in the game, he was actually playing the game pretty effectively. Threw a pass, penalty. Threw another pass, mm-hmm. penalty. He did. Make a good run, penalty. So those things people forget that happened, they were stopping themselves because of penalties. And then now something like this happened. Oh, that's why we lost the game. No, if you would have scored that other drive when your guy was actually connecting and making things happen, coming in the game off the bench, 
if you're making those plays and you end up scoring, now the momentum is already totally different in the game and you're not relying upon a hope that, oh, man, that's why we lost the game. So that's just my take on it. It was really weird because you just mentioned that the penalties, and somebody actually said it, said it to me in, in the process of conversation in that thread. They said, look at all the penalties we have compared to all the penalties you have. Well, the Saints got 11 penalties, the Rams had 8. It, there wasn't that big of a difference here. But where were almost all their penalties? Offensive line. So you're going to sit here and complain that the now you're, you're getting to the point where the offic- you're blaming the officials for everything. You, you're saying, hey, listen, um, yeah, you guys are, aren't calling the Rams at all for all those they're holding, but you're calling us. Well, the Rams did get some calls on them. The Rams did have a lot of penalties in this game. But go back and look at the film and tell me those Saints calls weren't justified. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's clear as day. Certain things that are happening, they're clear as day. And so the thing that you tell your team, I'm sure uh, Coach uh, for the Saints, why am I drawing a blank? Sean Peyton. uh, Peyton. Peyton, I'm sure he tells his guys, guys, you know, we got to go in here. Don't let it come down game for the officials. We don't ever want to let them to put, you know, our win or loss into their hands. All right, let's go. Ready, break. And so then when you go out there, if you start looking for the officials and, oh, man, on every single call, you now have a loser's mentality. And then that's what seemed like happened down the stretch. They just somewhat ran out of gas. And then that's when the score started to to get a little wider. So you got to get back to just playing football, make the plays when they come up and just as best you can never leave it down to this one play and say, well, that's why we lost. Well, here's the it's reality. Never that. I mean, it's not that. I mean, here's the reality of the situation in terms of this game for all the criticism the Rams get for quote unquote, not being physical. We've, we talked about that before, right? They were the more physical team today. Absolutely. They Absolutely. Were. They, and they, they had the heat on their side. And when you're the Saints wearing black out there because the Rams wore their whites, that's on you. You know, it's, you know, you, you uh, I maybe would have worn my another version of the, of the color rush, I guess. But you're stuck wearing black. That's your problem. You're pushed around. The Rams did enough. And the Rams proved to me to be the deeper team in the end. They just had more there. You would think that sooner or later, you will look back on your own team's flaws and say, you know what, we we didn't get the job done. We didn't get the job done. But no, what you're seeing is still is just now across, especially with, you know, when it comes to fan bases and social media, they just want to blame the officials. Well, the officials made some bad calls tonight. Marcus Peters should have been thrown on the game for throwing a punch. They missed it. That should have happened. Yeah, right. I mean, that was right. You know, but I, I, yeah, I don't know how, you know, because we're going like, wow, he just took the guy's helmet totally off mm-hmm. right there. So, and then threw a punch on top of it. But I think he, he got lucky because it kind of looked like he was somewhat shoving and it kind of hit the guy in, in the chest. And I think because the receiver was kind of coming at Marcus, it made it look like it was, uh, you know, mutual combat, if you will. Well, and then you go back even further. You go back further to the Super Bowl and the missed pass interference. The NFL missed later on, missed pass interference that should have been called. 
against the Patriots when they're covering Brandon Cooks, that changes the entire game, right? That would that makes the game a much different situation. Do you, we don't see, for the most part, the Rams fan base has not said a word about that. They they're not they're, they're definitely not complaining. They're not. It's football. The, that day, the Patriots won. The Patriots beat the Rams. They outplayed them. That's the game that set the match. In the NFC Championship game, the Saints had every opportunity to put the Rams away before that play even happened, and they had a chance to win the game after that play happened. So sooner or later, if you are a fan of a team or if you cover the team, you can blame the NFL, and it has serious officiating problems. But you, you eventually got to go back to your team and say, you know what, if they had done their job to begin with, you're not even in that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's unfortunate, and of course, you know, that, that thread's still going <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I got ratioed. So, overall, though, I guess if you're a Rams fan, you have to be pleased. You're 2-0. You decisively win this game. It's tough going for a while, but you pull away. You out-physical the Saints. You just do everything you need to do to win. Jared Goff goes from the GOAT to the hero as the game moves on, and I guess we'll go right into it. With all that in mind, as we get ready to close up shop, who is your player of the game? And who's your... I, mean, I know you all don't like it, but I'm going to keep doing it because we want to we be, um, shall I say, willing to call our own out, to be a little non-biased. Who's your GOAT? In other words, the guy who messed up the most kind of game, kind of reward here. Who, who are you going to call that for? Let's go player of the game first. Player of the game, I'm going to go with... Cooper Cup, just for the fact that, man, he made a big play down the stretch, uh, you know, and everything he's done to get back here uh, and play at this level. And I'm sure he's still not quite at the level, but for him to be able to make that big play down the stretch on the big catch and run, break some tackles and get it in the end zone, I'm going with Cooper Cup. You know, what's weird is is – I didn't really know what to believe over the course of the summer when we started getting reports that Cooper Cup looked better now than he did before the injury. In that play alone, he looked faster than he did before his injury. I'm not gonna, I'm not kidding. He looked faster than he did before his injury. He looked great. And so congrats to him. My player of the game is Jared Goff. And I know he had a horrible first half. He did not look good. But the one thing I really like about him as a person, as a quarterback, is that when things aren't going well, the guy just does not stop. He keeps he keeps going and he adjusts. And in this game, we saw him getting rushed left and right. Coaching staff made some shifts. He made some changes. And he looked very, very good in the second half. His numbers... Overall, the 1928-283 don't really tell how good he was in the second half because most of his numbers really came in the second half outside that one bomb in the first half, which, by the way, was a pertly thrown football. I mean, let's, you know, people want to hit him for a deep pass, but that was a pertly thrown pass. So, to me, Jared Goff's the player of the game. He's the one that really engineered on the field this this game. So, to him, the credit. The go of the game... I'll, I'll call this one out because I know you don't really want to go on this one first, but I will. Rob Havenstein had a rough game. He was beat off the ball numerous times by Cam Jordan. 
He just, you know, Rob's a great run blocker. He really is. But he does struggle on his first step at times. He had a little bit of hard time. Cam was just faster. His hands up. And I, I still want to see the evolution in Rob's game. This is not me saying Rob's horrible or Rob has problems overall. It's just about improving as a football player, and he had a rough game today. Who's your GOAT? Uh, my GOAT is going to be maybe a surprise. It's going to be my man, Johnny Hecker. Oh, really? Even though he had a nice average, he had a 49.9 average today. Well, he had a nice average, but that was only because of the 166 that just got out of there and got to roll down the field. But overall, I was like, come on, heck, you got to be a little more consistent uh, in these other areas. So that average is a little deceptive in regards to how he was overall punting. You know, I mean, if it was a game uh, we really needed and those kind of punts, it, it could have been a situation because for him, you're looking at changing field position. But if you got a punter who can average plus 50 yards and he ends up with a 30-some yard punt, you're like, wait a minute, this is not high school football. So that's my guy. All right, well, and he's still one of the best in the game. Still no is, doubt. so... You know, all those things in mind, it's easy to uh, just say, hey, yeah, he had a rough day. And still a great average. Even <laughs> he should go to the game despite the fact that he had a 49.8 average. But that first punt, man, that, that first one, he that, that was not pretty. So I get, your, I get your point there. I'm not sure I agree, but I get the point. Okay, it is time for us to hit the road. Reach out to us, please, at ramstop1945gmail.com. They'll leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have me get ready to get out to you. We definitely do need some sponsors. Also, we're starting to head towards the fall. I kind of want to line this up now. It's a big deal for me. I'm a veteran, for those of you who know. And something I do over on the, on the Angels podcast, I could do here as well, is if you are a veteran and would like to appear with us on the show for a little bit to talk some Rams football, Reach out to us too at that email address, ransom1945.com. We'd love to have you on to thank you for your service, to just talk a little football with you, and just acknowledge what you have done for this country. All right, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have the Rams Talk Room group because Facebook, for whatever reason, is not very nice to all these Facebook pages anymore. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at 1Duke23. Do you even use Twitter anymore? I do. I mean, you're so you're you're stealthy. I've been a little man. quiet though. I've been yeah, a little you're, quiet, right? You lurk, don't you? You just yeah. kind of <laughs> you're scoping out Rams Twitter, see what's going on. You kind of lurk, right? So, hey, don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, all those places. It's really special to us that, that over the course of now, this is our. Geez, one, two, our third year. We've been podcasting for four, but we kind of did a trial run in 2016. This is our third year podcasting. We have grown now to a be a Rams podcast network where we have really five shows that are on the dial. And so we want to thank you for your loyalty. We want to thank you for checking us out and listening in. And also, we do want to ask you if you would be kind enough to pass along the word about us to other potential listeners. We really appreciate that as well. You can text somebody or call, hey, check out this Rams podcast. We'd really appreciate it. So, for the entire team here, including Michael Stewart, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy, have a great one, 
and we are out of here. Out of here. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.